Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Everything Hoops show here on KRNU2. I am the host Daniel Mahoney and on this episode I'm going to talk about the Chicago Bulls struggles. I'm also going to talk about the New York Knicks, the Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks and I'll also talk about James Harden and play Would You Rather. So I hope you enjoy this episode. When it comes to the Bulls I'm just disappointed because we should be better. I am just surprised that our offense is so bad. I mean, I understand why, of course, because we don't hit threes. We don't take threes. So in today's NBA, if you do not take threes, you are not going to be an efficient offense. And we needed to take more threes. And some people say that the reason why the Bulls don't take threes is because their best player, DeMar DeRozan, doesn't take threes. Which isn't true because the Bucks with Giannis, he's not a three-point shooter, but they take around 40 threes per game. It's just roster construction. And I feel like Billy Donovan is telling them, not to settle for threes. I think it's I think it's their game plan to ISO with DeMar and Zach and get those mid-range jumpers. It's really not a good offense. I am not gonna lie, it just confuses me why Billy Donovan doesn't run more plays, why our offense is just so stagnant, why there's no ball movement in our offense. People probably are going to say it's because we don't have Lonzo Ball. That's an excuse. I will say if we had Lonzo, we would be better in transition, which we need to be better in transition. But anyways, with the whole Lonzo's out, so that's why you don't move the ball. The Boston Celtics, their offense is incredible. They have great ball movement, but they don't have an elite playmaker. JT, Jason Tatum, he's fine as a playmaker. Marcus Smart's a good playmaker, but he's but they're not elite playmakers. Their offense is about making quick decisions. Find the open man. Be unselfish. Get your team open threes. And their offense is one of the best in the league because of it. Of course, there's times where they shoot like, let's just say 14 for 51 from three, and it probably leads to them losing games. But I would rather have an offense that takes threes than a team that just isos and takes a bunch of mid-range jumpers. Because if you think about it, if you if you hit eight threes in a game, and your opposing team hits 16, that is, you're getting outscored by 24 points on the three-point line. We're in 2023. That's not okay. You gotta be able to hit threes in this league. You also gotta be able to guard guard the three-point line, which is also important. I'm gonna talk about that more in a sec. It's just so disappointing, and I think Billy Donovan has done a horrible job with his offense. I think he needs to utilize all the talent better instead of just doing DeMar and Zach pick and roll and ISO. So what about our defense? Our defense is somehow good in defensive rating, which confuses me because it's pretty simple we can't guard the three-point line and whenever we verse a team that can hit threes we lose so the Pacers game is a prime example 
it starts with one or pick and roll coverage because Vooch isn't mobile enough to hedge pick and roll so he kind of plays in a semi drop tries to play two so Tyrese Halliburton can get easy pull up threes and then playing that same pick and roll coverage a big thing is you're not really putting pressure on the ball handler so the ball handler Tyrese he can get into the paint easily which leads to a kickout pass to the weak side corner but since the low man has to stay in the paint to bump on the roll he can't get out to that three-point shooter and it's just giving up a wide open three because we don't know how to really x out defensively basically when the low man comes to help on the roll the other weak side defender splits the difference between the two then closes out to the first pass and then the guy who guarded the roller goes out and closes out to that man we're just not able to do that type of stuff and we just give up open threes because of it Another thing I want to talk about is the fact that we can't guard Spain pick and roll to save our lives. It's so confusing to me. Every single time we a team runs Spain pick and roll against us, we don't know what to do whatsoever. And it leads to either Vooch getting switched onto a guard or that guard coming off the pick and roll being left wide open or the person who's setting the back screen for the roller somehow he's wide open for three it always goes wrong that pacers game that we lost which we needed to win they ran spain pick and roll at least 10 times and they ran it five straight times to end the game and tyrese halliburton's game winner that he hit came off a of Spain pick and roll. We just don't know how to communicate how to guard that. And that's on Billy Donovan. He's been a coach in the NBA since 2015, 2016. He should know how to guard Spain pick and roll. He should know how to make these adjustments. He just doesn't know how to, which affects our defense. I'll be honest with you. I've always liked Patrick Beverly and I'm glad that we picked him up. The toughness, the leadership, the accountability, the competitive spirit, the fact that he's a really good on-ball defender, but it's too late. Patrick Beverly can't fix this team's problems with their offense and with their defense even if they do have good defensive games Vooch was straight up he was honest he said that he doesn't see the Bulls figuring this out he doesn't see us being able to make the plan which that's a hard thing to hear from the player but he is right because this team isn't good I just don't see us catching up to the Raptors or the Wizards who are 9-10 and 10 in that plan. We lost that Pacers game which we should have won because we scored 122 and I'm pretty sure that gave the Pacers the season series. So if we tie with them, we can't even have a better record than the Pacers because they have the tiebreaker. Just all this is disappointing. And if we don't even get a top four pick, it goes to Orlando in the Vooch trade because the pick this year in 2023 is top four protected. The first pick we gave up in the Vooch, Vooch trade was 
Franz Wagner, and he is really good from the Orlando Magic. He would have been a great young player to start a rebuild with. Anyway, speaking about that, that's what the Bulls have to do. They have to start a rebuild with something. Our only young talent on this team is Io. Patrick Williams and Kobe White and when we're talking about Kobe he's a role player Io DeSumo he's a solid point guard he attacks the basket well he's a solid defender but he's not anything special as a Bulls fan I've always had faith in Patrick Williams but I don't see it part of it is because he hasn't been involved he's now on the bench but I've always thought with his physical abilities the fact that he's 6'8 has the length he's athletic he has shown that he has a good mid-range pull-up he can shoot occasionally I thought that he was going to be a good piece for this team so I'm going to be honest I think the Bulls best decision is to just rebuild but the problem is we already did a rebuild and it went bad it was looking good with the Vooch trade. We thought it was going to be a good one. Then we signed DeMar in the offseason, signed Lonzo, signed Alex Caruso. But now everything has gone terrible because we're here now. We're not even in the plan. This team has so much talent. Obviously not to compete with the Bucks, Celtics, Sixers. Of course not. But you're telling me this team can't be better than the Raptors, the Wizards, the Hawks who have had spacing problems, they had Nate McMillan as their coach for half of the season. I just don't understand why this team could not figure it out and become at least a play-in team. I understand the problems with this team, with the spacing, with the fact they can't guard the three-point line, with the fact that Zach Levine, he was dealing with injury problems. He's playing better now, really good. DeMar now. He was dealing with injury problems and he hasn't been himself. We really don't utilize Booch that much. I just don't believe it that this team couldn't even make the plan. And of course things can change, but just like what Vooch said in his post game, I agree with him. This team is not a team that will make the plan in my opinion. Anyways, the Knicks lost their nine game winning streak to the Charlotte Hornets. Of course Jalen Brunson wasn't playing, but my questions with the Knicks is Will their ISO heavy offense help them or hurt them in the playoffs? Because there's not a bunch of movement. Tom Thibodeau is not a creative head coach. And in that Hornets game, they shot 5 for 26 in the fourth quarter. RJ Barrett, he started the game 9 for 11. He ended 1 for 11. My problem with RJ Barrett is he's too predictable. You know what he wants to do. He wants to get to the rim. He does an incredible job at getting to the rim, by the way. But that's what he wants to do. He has no real offensive skill. He struggles to create his own shot in the mid-range. His jumper is inconsistent. Something that I like that RJ is improving on is one, when he comes off the pick and roll, he's doing a good job of putting his defender in jail. So that's making his drives more effective 
efficient and they've been better recently. He's also making better reads. He's becoming a better playmaker in that aspect. He's throwing lobs to Mitchell Robinson really well. He's also making good kickout passes to three-point shooters. So RJ Barrett has made improvements this year, specifically with his playmaking, but will he take the next step as a scorer? Will he become unpredictable? Because I think... Him being this predictable will always hurt him because teams know what he wants to do. And in the playoffs, teams scout better than in the regular season. So they will know exactly what RJ Barry wants to do offensively. Julius Randle, what really concerns me is his shot selection. But in the regular season, his shots that he takes, yes, they're not good ones. They're contested jumpers, but they go in. And when he's hitting those shots, he's hard to guard and he's having a great year. But this game, 5 for 16, I just worry that in the playoffs, he is going to struggle to take those shots. And when he's not hitting those shots, it will hurt the Knicks offense. I saw Magic Johnson tweet that the Knicks would be a bad matchup for the Celtics. This is a little off topic, not really. And I was thinking to myself, no. Yes, the Knicks have beat the Celtics, but I don't care about regular season. What makes the Celtics such a hard matchup for the Knicks is that they can play five out. They can space you out. They can move the ball around the perimeter and they can hit their threes. And Al Horford, the ability to space the floor makes it not a good matchup for Mitchell Robinson because sometimes he struggles to guard out on the perimeter. He's more of a rim protector. That's how he anchors the defense. So I just think in the playoffs, if the Celtics hit their threes, if they generate those types of looks, I think it will be an easy matchup for the Celtics. So I don't understand the tweet that Magic made. Also, in my opinion, I think the Celtics have the right defensive scheme with how they switch. The problem is sometimes they overswitch. So in this matchup with the Celtics, they switch too much and it leads to mismatches. I remember in in the Knicks-Celtics game, the Celtics switched Mike Muscala onto Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly is a super fast guard, gets to the rim well. Mike Muscala is a center that struggles to move his feet and Emmanuel quickly just blew right past him got an and one this is a game that Emmanuel quickly dropped 38 because Emmanuel quickly was great in the pick and roll he was scoring in isolation taking advantage of specific matchups so once again the Celtics defensive scheme of over switching did hurt them so They got to be more selective with their switches. They can't give the teams the matchups they want to attack. Make them score on Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Jason Tatum. And if you're going to give those teams those matchups, at least defend as a team. Don't leave that person on an island. So you just got to get in the gaps and force that ISO player into the help so he sees an extra defender and they can't attack that matchup anymore. But over switching, giving teams matchups and then leaving that person on an island so they get cooked by an ISO player, that's not good defense, even if it leads to missed shots. I also wanted to talk about the Hawks and the Heat because they had a two-game series. The Heat won both games. 
So the first one, it was because Trey Young and DeJounte Murray struggled. But what I like about this matchup for the Heat is they can throw multiple defensive looks at the Hawks and at Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. They can switch, bam, they can trap the pick and roll, they can hedge, they can run a lot of 2-3 zone. But for the Heat, what won them that game, the second game for sure, is that the role players actually stepped up and the Heat made 16 threes on 29 shots and scored 130 points. That's the type of offensive games they've needed because they have struggled all year offensively. So for the Hawks, once again, they struggled with the uh, looks that the Heat were giving them defensively. DeJounte Murray in the first game was struggling to score on Bam when they switched. And then in the second game, he was doing a really good job scoring on Bam. So they were trapping pick and rolls a little more. I don't believe in DeJounte Murray as a scorer. I think he's inconsistent as a scorer. I don't think his handle is really good. So I don't trust him as an ISO scorer. And I think switching Bam onto him is a really good idea. The Hawks offense has looked better since hiring Quinn Snyder because they run some more plays. They get Trey Young moving off the ball a little more. They still haven't taken a lot of threes like how Quinn Snyder had the Jazz do, but it's improvements. Now the big problem with this Hawks team is they're terrible defensively. They don't guard well as a team. They don't rotate. They really don't communicate. They make a lot of bad decisions defensively. I'll give Trey Young his credit. In the second game, he was playing really good defense. He was active. He was playing with good effort. So that is improvements and that's good. I think they do have the defensive pieces. I just don't understand why they haven't been able to figure it out. And then in the second game, a big thing that happened was DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter specifically in the fourth quarter, I'm pretty sure he went one for four and had two turnovers. That's the problem with DeAndre Hunter. He's inconsistent. He's someone that I think has potential, even though his ball handling's pretty bad. But as a mid-range scorer, someone that has good height, is a good defender. I think DeAndre Hunter can be a good player. He's just never been consistent and he's kind of getting on uh, Atlanta Hawks fans nerves right now. Now what I like from the Hawks offense and what I think they should do more of is empty corner pick and rolls. They have been extremely effective in the two games I saw against the Heat because there's no weak side help because the corner, there's no one there. So you can just, if they send two at Trey Young, you can hit the roll, man, and you'll get an easy dunk. I think it's extremely effective. When it comes to the Hawks, I just think that defense is so bad that they won't be successful. I think they can make make it out of the play-in. I don't like the Heat matchup, but I like the Raptors and, and the Wizards. For the Wizards, it's because their defense, it should be better, but Wes Unsell, does, Wes Unsell Jr. doesn't know what he's doing. And the Raptors, I don't trust that offense at all. So I think the Hawks can make 
the playoffs as the eighth seed, but you're just getting swept by the Bucks at that point. Anyway, speaking about the Bucks, in my opinion, their defense is so good with Drew Holiday, Jay Crowder, Javon Carter, Brooke Lopez, and Giannis anchoring it. With their offense, I just think that role players got to hit their catch and shoot threes because Giannis with his gravity will create those shots. They just got to hit it. They can also go small if Brooke Lopez has a problem against a team like the Celtics who go five out. I also think home court advantage is a big thing because if the Bucks have home court, will Grant Williams really hit seven threes like how he did last year against the Bucks? I don't think so. Now I wanted to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers as they had a big win against the Milwaukee Bucks. A couple of things I noticed from the Bucks defense, they were going under on James Harden. That's something that I don't think the Bucks should do. I think they should have Drew Holiday, whoever's guarding the pick and roll, go over. And then with the drop coverage, Joel Embiid is really good at killing the drop because all James Harden has to do is get it to Joel Embiid in the short roll and Joel Embiid will get an elbow jumper and he'll most likely hit it. Now do I think the Sixers can contend with the Bucks and the Celtics? I'm not sure. I'm not a team that usually believes in the Sixers based on their playoff performances based on Doc Rivers coaching. I don't like this bench but with James Harden, Joel Embiid I feel like with their two-man game with how efficient those two are in isolation they can definitely hurt the Celtics and Bucks defense it's about how the Bucks and the Celtics adjust for the Bucks the Bucks shouldn't play drop coverage when guarding a James Harden, Joel Embiid pick and roll they should just hedge it and rely on their backside help on the Joel Embiid roll but it's definitely a tough two-man game to guard. For the Celtics, it's just about the over-switching. Don't let Joel Embiid and James Harden attack matchups that they are comfortable with. Make them uncomfortable. Definitely send some double teams. But for the Celtics, I'm interested about that series because sometimes Joel Embiid, he likes to roam the paint and protect the rim and doesn't like to guard out on the perimeter in the pick and roll he doesn't like to close out for threes so I'm interested if the Celtics play five out they play Al Horford at the five they run a lineup of Derek White, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum and Al Horford maybe put in Malcolm Brogdon in there somewhere I'm interested to see how the Sixers guard that lineup and if Joel Embiid will guard out on the perimeter. So to finish off this episode, I'm going to do Would You Rather. Everyone knows what Would You Rather is. This episode is uh, James Harden. So the first player is Damian Lillard. And I'm not going to lie, I would rather have Damian Lillard because of how talented he is offensively, his shot making, his ability to score from deep finish at the rim. I just think he's a much better scorer. And the Trailblazers, their roster, Dame has to carry a lot offensively. But James Harden's still a great player. The next one is Jalen Brown. This is the one that I would take James Harden because of James Harden's 
playmaking and how he makes guys around him better. And sometimes Jalen Brown's decision making isn't good. He can be a little turnover prone and not find the open man. Next one is Shea Gilgis Alexander. And for me, I'm a big SGA fan because of how skilled he is offensively, how creative he is, how he gets to his spots, how underrated of a mid-range scorer he is. They're both great isolation scorers, but for how they create their points, how they create their shots, I would rather have Shea Gilgis Alexander. I know that's People will probably disagree on that. I just like Shea better personally, and he's a better defender. But James Harden is a be- is a better playmaker, even though Shea is also a good playmaker. He's not on James Harden's level. We've talked about this before. James Harden is one of the best playmakers in this league. Next one is someone that made the All-Star team over Drew- over. Well, I spoiled it. Over James Harden, Drew Holiday. First off, Drew Holiday 100% deserved to be an all-star, but I would rather have James Harden. Drew Holiday is one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, but the thing is James Harden's offense is more consistent and he's once again a better playmaker. Drew Holiday is a good, great all-around point guard. He can create his own shot. He can score. He's a good playmaker, but James Harden just does it on another level that I would rather have him. But Drew Holiday as your second best player, obviously the Bucks are contenders. Main reason is because of him. Next is Donovan Mitchell. I really like Donovan Mitchell, and I honestly can't tell which one I would rather have. James Harden's the better playmaker. Donovan Mitchell's a great scorer, but James Harden's also a great scorer. He's not on Donovan Mitchell's level. I really don't know about that one. I think I will go with Donovan Mitchell because he's a bigger scoring threat, but we've seen James Harden 38 against the Bucks. Obviously, he's still a great scorer. He has had an unbelievable year. I just honestly can't tell the difference between those two. It can go either way. Next is going to be Trey Young. I would rather have James Harden because he's more of an efficient scorer than Trey Young, in my opinion. And he's, even though James Harden's not a great defender, He's a better defender than Trey Young. Next is Tyrese Halliburton. This one, I think, is the same for me. I got to give Tyrese credit for how he has carried the, not carried, but he runs that Pacers offense. I mean, when he was out for 10 straight games, the Pacers were 1-9, and and that is why the Pacers are in are not even in the play-in right now. So Tyrese is a great offensive player, great point guard, great facilitator. James Harden's a great point guard, great facilitator. Both are great scorers, great in the pick and roll. It's really hard for me, so I'll just go with the same. So how do I see the East shaping up? In my opinion, I think everything's going to stay the same. 
from one through six. I think the Bucks will be the one seed, Celtics the two seed, Sixers three, Knicks or Cavs, whichever one, four and five. I think Brooklyn's going to stay at six. I don't think Miami's going to catch them. Atlanta at eight and Toronto nine and ten. I don't think the Bulls or the Pacers are going to catch up to the Wizards. Maybe if the Wizards have a big time losing streak, but I just don't see it. So in the play-in, I think that the Heat would beat the Hawks, and then the Raptors would beat the Wizards. And then once again, I said this before, but maybe maybe the Raptors could beat the Hawks because the Hawks are a really bad defensive team. And the Raptors do have the defensive versatility. The problem is they overhelp. They don't play very smart defense. So they'll probably send three guys at Trey Young and will probably leave someone wide open. It's definitely interesting to think about. I would still probably take the Hawks against the Raptors and the Hawks would get the eighth seed. But once again, the playoffs are all about matchups. So is with the Knicks and the Cavs, I really don't know who would win that series. I think if Julius Randle's shot making is like how it is in the regular season, then the Knicks can win that series, in my opinion. But I also love Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. I love how efficient they are, how great of scorers they are. The bench is a little bit of a concern. So maybe if they get a spark from Evan Mobley as the third option, and then you got Jared Allen, hopefully Isaiah, Isaac Okoro can hit some corner threes. But yeah, I would probably take the Cavs if Julius Randle is not on his game. So that's the end of this episode, episode three. I hope you enjoyed it. Basically, a summary is the Bulls are a disappointment. The Bucks are really good. The Hawks are probably going to lose to them in the first round in a sweep. And the Celtics are the Bucks' biggest competition.